going to grab my water bottle before I start. Last thing you guys need is a dry sermon. Hey, and the jokes go up from there, so that's good. <laughs> you guys even laughed at the right time. I'm encouraged. Uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Glenn. I'm part of the pastoral team here, and uh, we're just so glad to have you here with us this morning. It's a great day, a great day to gather. I love baptisms. It's a chance to celebrate. It's a time to, uh, you know, the goodness and faithfulness of God, and we've seen that in the testimonies of both Kemi and, and Miranda this morning, and, and it's just so encouraging for me to hear the transforming power of God. It kind of it, it, for many of us, it can kind of take us back to that day when we were baptized and remind us of the faithfulness of God even up to this point. For some, that's a short journey. For some, that's quite a long journey. But it's like the faithfulness of God through that is an amazing thing. And uh, I want to just read a, a few verses of a psalm just to kind of capture that moment. Psalm chapter, or, yeah, Psalm 107, verses 1 to 3. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures. He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Praise the Lord, right? It's like, it's so good. And so let's stop for a moment. We're going to say a word of prayer and then we'll get into it. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for those that have, have just been baptized. God, that you will continue to be with them and continue to enrich. Walk with them, Lord, as they tell their story, uh, as those that have been redeemed, Lord, from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, as we get into your word this morning, Lord, I pray, God, that it will come alive in our hearts. Lord, that, that what you want to get across, that Holy Spirit, you will help that to get across. Lord, work through me, God. I just commit myself to you and pray that you would anoint me and use me this morning to encourage your people in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. The Bible, it's a very unique book. It's, um, it's the Christian source of instruction for, for belief and practice. We believe that. We, we, we look to this for, for our instruction. It's, it's God's written revelation to us. It's like God being able to reveal himself in a way that is written that we can, can pick up. It's, it's powerful. Um, it's the basis for truth, we believe, which makes it rather controversial, both within our own circle and in the world. It's, people can get pretty, pretty uptight about it. The Bible contains many literary forms. There's there's so many different types of writings within this one book. There's, there's narrative, there's, so that's a story. There's teaching, there's, there's prophecy, there's parables, there's poetry. And, and that's important because understanding what type of literature you're reading helps you to understand how to interpret that writing, right? It, it makes a difference. I mean, you don't read a phone bill the same way you read a birthday card. You can get yourself into a lot of and vice versa. You don't, you don't read a legal document the same way you read a love letter and vice versa. It's what's being communicated, right? Because you're not quite getting the context of how it's written. It's an amazing thing to be able to express thoughts, ideas, emotion, concept through language, both written, spoken, even sung. There's something that within us that drives us to expression. Like we, we, we want to communicate. We want people to understand. We, we have that need to, to 
be able to truly communicate and, and help other people to know what's going on within us. You think of it even at a very early age when a child is, before they, they learn to speak, and yet they want to communicate, and you, you kind of see that desire, and sometimes the frustration in, in, the, in the little face when they're like, mm. you know, they can't say it, and then, you know, one of the first words they learn is, up, right? And we see that the, the power of communication, that we yearn to do that. Think of the challenges. I love this church. I love, I love the diversity and the people from so many different backgrounds and so many different countries, and we come together in unity. But also, at times, the challenge of the language barrier. And even, like, for me, sometimes even with the accents and to understand, and if I've asked you to say your name seven times, forgive me, I'm slow. <laughs> But you get that language barrier, and there's sometimes there's a frustration with that, right? Because we want to be understood. We want to be able to convey. We want to be able to, to express ourselves. Approximately in the, in the middle of a kind of standard English Bible, there's a great book called the Psalms. And here I just tried to do it, and I got Ezekiel. Again, I get Ezekiel. Okay, that forget it. Forget I just said that. It's not there. No, it is. It's approximately in the middle. It's a collection of 150 works of early Hebrew poetry. And I started this message by reading a portion of one of those poems. Again, knowing what you're reading makes a difference. Like when you read the Psalms, it's like you're not reading a sermon. You're not, it's not written as, you know, teaching and something that's didactic in its nature. It's, it's poetry. It's it, it's, it's written with expression and hyperbole and metaphor and so many colorful different types of languages. Many were written as prayers. Others were written as songs of worship. Some of them are, are lovely and uplifting and just beautiful. Others are rather disturbing. They're, they're, they're controversial. You read them and you go, eh? And you might even wonder, okay, how did this make the grade? Like, how did this actually be accepted as part of the scriptures when you read it? Because it can be pretty in your face. Well, my hope over the next few weeks is to take some of these Hebrew poems, to take some of these books of the Psalms, or Psalms that we find in the and see how they can enrich our everyday lives. See how they can apply to life in Halifax in 2020. And I, wanna, I want to view the Psalms as poetry in motion. I know that's a little cliche, but poetry as in what's written, but it's in motion as it's walked out, as we see it applied to our daily lives, that, that it's it's the idea of the Psalms applied in daily life. And I want us to be able to do that over the course of, of this as we, as we lean into it. And by the way, thanks to all of you who took part in my little Facebook poll. Um, Debbie said, you knew it was from me because we've got a joint account. You, go, you knew it was from me because it was just text. There was probably at least one spelling mistake and no capitalization. So it was probably Glenn. That was, so if you saw that, that was me. But, but I asked, what's your favorite Psalm and Why? And I got some great feedback from that, from different ones of, oh, this, this represents where I am right now, or this one I find I can really celebrate with this, or this one, like when I was first saved, I read this, and it just captured my imagination as I was wrestling with who, I, who God was and who I was. So thank you for that. 
So I know what I'm about to say is a gross overgeneralization, but it seems to me that we live in a very tame, civilized culture here in Eastern Canada. It tends to be very politically correct, compliant, and sometimes even a little complacent. Unless you're a hockey fan, and then there's, like, then there's no rules that apply. Then it, then it gets a little crazy. But, but think about it. I mean, road rage is rare. I mean, for the most part, we let people merge into traffic. We judge others who don't. Of course, unless it's we, unless it's us that is, is doing it, and then we justify it. It's like, hey, buddy, I'm on the way to church. This space is mine. It's like, wait your turn. We justify it. But I think there's times when we take it too far. As I would also argue that we've adopted a rather tame and civilized approach to our Christianity, our faith, our church culture. Now, I'm, I'm all for reverence and, and understanding all those things. I'm not saying we should approach church like a Mooseheads hockey game, but I wonder if we've lost something in our approach to church. I wonder if we've lost something in our worship, in our Christian experience, in an effort to make it civilized, primer, proper, and nice. Somewhere along the line, we've adopted a sense that there's certain things that we shouldn't feel in church. Good people don't get angry, or especially they shouldn't get angry at God. Christians shouldn't experience anxiety or stress or tiredness or despair. Don't you have faith or whatever it is that you're experiencing right now that you feel guilty for feeling in this moment? Hmm. And because we've adopted that, we think we should bury it rather than express it. And we even try to hide it from God. What if, what if we made a concerted effort to get past our tendency to hide, our tendency to try to pretend we're okay? What if we got really honest? And I look around and I can see some people squirming. It's like, Honest in church? I don't think that's safe. Who said church was safe? <laughs> but my heart in doing this series is because I believe the Psalms give us permission to express those things. I mean, read them. Read the Psalms for what is actually being said and how it is being said, not filtered or tamed down, but as the Hebrew poetry expressed it. Like, actually dare to think of it from a context of, of, of the words that are there and the imagery that jumps off the page at you. It's visceral. It's, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's expressive. One of the freeing things about the Psalms is that they have given us permission not to be okay and to voice and to express it. They give us permission to celebrate and actually be a little over the top in our worship of God. It gives us permission to start a conversation with God all cranky and messed up and work it through to the point where we can say, I'm not okay, but you're okay, so it's okay. 
And I'm not saying that we justify all our feelings and expressions of them, right? Even in those Psalms, just because it's been expressed does not mean it's pleasing to God. There's things in the Psalms that if you look at the Bible in its entirety, God must be going, okay, I hear your prayer, but I'm not answering that one. The raw expression. I mean, even the revenge expressed in Psalm 109, verse 9, which I'm not going to read for you. You'll have to read it yourself. I'm not saying that the psalmist was right. I was just, I just, what I'm saying is that it's obvious that he was really, really ticked, okay? So there's that combination of, of honesty, but also recognizing our frailty and recognizing it with humility. And I'll get to that later in the series. <laughs> I love what N.T. Wright he was a the, he's a theologian and a writer, he's English, he, he puts it this way. The Psalms might not always seem to us particularly pure or worthy as sacrifices should be, but I think part of the point is that they are truthful. The sincere outpourings of who and what the worshiper actually is. And when we worship the creator God with our whole truthful self, we trust, and the psalm strongly encourages us to trust, that we will be remade. What if we could get a little closer to the relationship to God displayed in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? When, when the two of them were in open fellowship with God, before they hid, before innocence was lost, when, they, when there was trust, vulnerability, openness, and in the process, be remade. What if our worship of God was a little less restrained? Now, I don't mean that we lose the plot, okay? But I do mean, what if we allowed a little more passion to be shown towards a holy God who alone is worthy? Thanks, Ken, I needed that. That was a good moment. Come on, somebody. What if? What would that look like? I am an introvert. I, I, I'm, I don't particularly like drawing attention to myself. The irony, right? <laughs> but what if, what if we let go a little bit and we're a little less concerned with the person sitting next to us and, and maybe just a little bit more engaged with our creator? Psalm 150. It's the last of them. This is like, this is the bookend. I Psalm 1 and Psalm 150. It's like, if you're not going to read any of the other ones, read those two and you'll get a good glimpse of what's going on. But Psalm 150, it says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his highest, mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre, and the electric guitar. Praise him with the timbrel and the dancing. Unless you're me and my wife won't let me dance, but praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the strings and the pipes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then it finishes it, praise the Lord. Careful there, pastor. People get, get caught up in the emotion of it all. Get caught up in the emotion and what? <laughs> Clap? Sing a little too loud? Maybe be a little off key? <laughs> I mean, really. 
in our culture, what's the worst that could happen? And don't go there, all right? Because that's, that's not what I'm looking for. But your pastor might laugh. He might cry. He might get a little undignified. When the Pharisees, I love this in the New Testament, Jesus is coming in like the triumphal entry into the city and, and he's coming in and the Pharisees are not happy because there's this, this passion that's expressed and people are worshiping him and it's like, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're like, Jesus, you're getting, they're getting a little undignified here. Like this isn't good. Like this is getting out of hand. These kids, these kids are getting out of hand. And he, he replies, I love it. He's like, listen, guys. If these people keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. So get with the program. Let's, you know what I mean? It's like he's saying, it's bigger than us. I mean, if we could shout and jump up and down and cheer and clap for someone slapping a little rubber disc into a net with a stick, can't we get a little bit excited about the presence of God, the creator of the universe, who's in the midst of us right now as we gather in his name to be blessed and be a blessing? It's, it's perspective. But, but that... But that's not usually what we do, is it? We're so, like, we come to church and, I don't know. I don't know what it is, whether it's something spiritual, whether it's cultural. And, and it's like, I'm not, as I said, I don't think every church service should be a, like a hockey game. But it's like, wow. I'm so thankful for the poets and the songwriters and the worship leaders who help us, who help me give expression to our response to God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he will do, who pen lyrics and melodies and evoke emotion and passion. I love that. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. This was quite a few years ago. It was about attending like church conferences and camps and these different things and retreats. And he was saying that he thought that they were kind of counterproductive because you go and you have this incredible time with God and commit to changing the world or even more challenging, changing yourself. And, and then you have to come back to the harsh realities of real life, the spiritual crash, so to speak. And he was saying, like, I don't think we should even do them. Like, it's just, it's just not worth it. I mean, I know what he was getting at in a way, but there can be valleys that seem to go along with mountaintop experiences. I think anybody that's been a Christian for a while would agree with that. But I remember thinking to myself, how sad to not want the impact of a spiritual retreat for fear of disappointment that the euphoria would subside and life would get back to normal. I mean, we need normal, but, but come on, we also need a good dose of supernatural, the out of this world, the beyond compare that Debbie was preaching about last week. It's like, do we forfeit a mountaintop because we think there might be a valley? Well, guess what? Without a mountaintop, without a valley, there's no mountaintop. It's flat. It's boring. There's nothing. You know what I mean? It's like there's an ebb and flow to life that, that there's a mountaintop experience because God knows that there's a valley coming and he's trying to, I don't know. It doesn't quite jive with me. Normal. What is normal? Not your pastor. <laughs> I just heard Debbie say that's true. I'm actually going to ask the worship team to come back. This, as I get into this series, we're going to unpack some of the Psalms. It's like there's, I've already read, read two and a, or one and a half. I'm going to read another one. And it's this effort to express and to engage and put language to 
and words to maybe some of the things that we're experiencing. And, and even for you, and you're here today, and you're, there's things that you're experiencing. When I was talking about the shame that sometimes comes with feelings that you have, that you, you know, people have kind of given you the impression that nice people don't have those feelings. Well, guess what? We do. And it's not to say that the in and of themselves that they're even justified sometimes, but to ignore them, to hide them, to say that they, they're not real, and even to try to hide them from God is actually counterproductive. But if we can get to the point where we trust God enough to be honest with God, to know that his love is bigger than that, and we can put it out to God and allow him to come in. And here's the key to it. It's not just expressing it, but allowing God to get in the middle of it and to change it. Confession is not repentance. Confession is not repentance. But also this idea of expressing our anger towards God is okay as long as we remember who God is. And he'll remind us in such a powerful and loving and impactful way. He'll speak the language we need to hear. We're going to go into a time of worship. And as we do that, can I just... Can we just remember that we're worshiping God, the maker of heaven and earth? I mean, let's forget for a moment the tendency to go through the motions and really lean, in, lean into the presence of God because I know he's here. I'm sensing his spirit. I know that God is in our midst. We're going to get into some different types of psalms later in the series, but, but today... It's those, those psalms, those hymns of praise, those responses to God in his faithfulness, in his goodness, in his love, in his mercy to us that are expressed so many different ways. Let's praise him for who he is. Let's praise him for what he's done. Let's praise him for what he will do. Even in the midst of our own darkness and challenges and, and trials, that we'll worship him. Psalm 100 says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name.